Yeah, no, that's a great question, Burak. Uh, I mean, I, I think it comes from my background of being a being a founder in India, you know, back, gosh, now almost 15 years ago, we started up a Baba job in India and seeing the, the journey of, uh, you know, of being a founder in that market. And, and in fact, even before that, I actually moved to India uh, back in 07, 08 to, to get involved with early stage ventures. And so I, I, I kind of believed in the thesis of, you know, I think at that point there was very little venture capital, you know, uh, allocation and, and money available for entrepreneurs early stage in markets like India. Um, and, and so I, th I think it, it was a mark. It, there was a lot of later stage capital available for companies that are a little bit more developed. Because I think in investors' minds, you're already taking a lot of risk. You're being an emerging market. You're being early stage. This is like the riskiest part of the investment uh, of your investment portfolio. So it's like, okay, you put emerging market and then early stage. Wow, that's really, so in, in a lot of investors' minds back then, 15 years ago, that was a very, very risky proposition. Um, and so I think that's why there was there was a lot of less capital allocated there um, and, and a lot of, uh, and so, but a lot of great entrepreneurs and that's what really brought me there. Uh, and that's what, and that's why I, I you know, invest now yeah, being an entrepreneur going through that cycle in that market like India, um, it's kind of then opened my eyes to all the, the, some of the challenges that an entrepreneur can face in those environments. And then, you know, those ecosystems of, of like, uh, like an ecosystem like Bangalore has also evolved immensely now in those last decade and a half. And now it's a, it's a very different experience starting a business today in 2023 versus, you know, versus 2007, 2008 timeframe as well. And how did you how do you see the startup ecosystem in India evolving over the last five to ten years time? As you mentioned, Bangalore. Yeah, well, well, I mean, we've seen now. I think you know, for an ecosystem to really evolve, you need you 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 need a couple of those ingredients to come together, right? You need you need obviously the first that you need talented uh, founders to come to that place. You need investors to back those companies, and then you need. Uh, the next level of talent to build your company, software development talent, you know, go-to-market talent, all the different pieces you need to build a company, right? And so that you need these three, and you obviously you need some, you know, you need some level of of government friendliness and support for the ecosystem as well. That okay, you know, people can invest. There's a regulatory framework to invest in a startup. There's a regulatory framework that supports uh, forming a new company. All these things which are not to, to not to be taken for granted either. Those are, those are difficult things. And so I think you need all these ingredients to come together. And so, you know, and, and then especially in, in, in technology and internet businesses, you also need, you know, people to have access to internet, right? I think that's the thing that when you're first starting 15, 20 years ago in India, you know, the very small percentage of the population had access to, to, to high-speed internet with a device, any device, right? And so I think that's one thing that's changed over that time frame is that, okay, great, you have, I think when we first started Baba Job, I think maybe we had 20 million people in India with, with, with internet access at a reasonable level of access. And now, you know, that number is, more than 30x that now, right? And so I think that just the just the, the the addressable market of internet users has grown immensely, right? And then in those days, we also had issues with payments, right? You had very few people again with a credit card or any way to make a, a digital payment. I remember we had to we had to have a payment partner at that point. Uh, there was a company called Garpe, and they used to go and collect the cash from the customer and then you know 
and and then we had to pay them a fee and then they would credit that to our account digitally right and so and um yeah same thing with 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 the the, the biggest e-commerce uh you know success story of india flipkart their business really took off once they enabled cash on delivery right and so there were these fundamental um infrastructure layers which were lacking at that point where, where there was internet access payments and so one by one those things have been solved right you get now you have you have services like Reliance Geo, which launched in 2017, which gave free 4G access for large parts of the country and brought a lot of people online. Then you had the moments like when, again, I think there was also in 2017, when you had the demonetization, or that could have been the year before, uh, but it was all roughly within the same 12 month period, you had you had free free 4G through Reliance Geo. Then you had demonetization where that drove a lot of people to digital payments. And then you, of course, you had the COVID, right? Which really made a lot of people, uh, you know, having to rely on digital um, transactions and digital, uh, you know, for a lot of things, entertainment, for a lot of things they didn't have to before. So I think it was these, <laughs> these three moments that really took, came together to bring large percentages of the population online and digitally, um, able to transact in India. And then of course, alongside those last decade, we've had also the development of the local investment ecosystem where you've had a lot more early stage investors, angels, or early stage funds willing to take those risks on, on entrepreneurs um, in the very beginning of their business journey. And I think th that's evolved and now you have a very healthy ecosystem of pre-seed, seed, uh, series A, series B, series B, you have like the whole ecosystem well, um, um, you know, well formed in India at this I mean, point were, in the time. Viv, you were born in India, but went to college in the U.S. And how did that cross-cultural experience shape your entrepreneurship and investor uh, uh, path? Uh, was entrepreneurship yeah. always a goal for you? How did you also, I mean, what prompted you to start well, the first company, Babajal? Yeah, well, well, actually, no. I mean, I I don't think I knew much about entrepreneurship growing probably until university. Uh, was when I first uh, you know learned about entrepreneurship. I think it was really it was actually a, a very famous entrepreneur now. But at that point, he was starting his first company. Um, it was a mix of this book uh, I read by Nicholas Negroponte. He was running the digital the lab in MIT at that point, and there was a book called Being Digital. And I remember. That, you know, this is back in, gosh, must have been in the late 90s, I think, early 2000s, uh, where he was talking about the whole, you know, internet revolution, digital, and and that, and then I found this company called Opinions, which was founded by Naval, which is Naval Ravikant founded, um, and uh, ended up working with them. So I think these two things were really opened my eyes up to to the internet and digital and entrepreneurship in a very different way that I. I didn't even know about before, right? So I think it was that's really what uh, and spending that um, the, the few months there at Epinions in Silicon Valley in the early two thousands uh, and seeing what it was like to kind of you know build a company and and make a a, a good culture um, and kind of that that was kind of very I think um, very instrumental in me wanting to become an entrepreneur. So you work across venture capital, startups, corporates, and probably more. And what have been the, some of the biggest learnings from those experiences? 
Yeah, I, I mean, there's so many to unpack, and there's so many different cycles you go through in these in these companies. In different, obviously, you can be, uh, you know, I, you you have different roles, there are different points of economic cycles, and so I think there's a lot of learnings in in each of them, right? And so I think going through, you know, the you know being the early years in India, going through the global financial crisis there, seeing how companies uh, reacted and. Uh, you know, uh, say global companies and how much they reallocated a lot of their, you know, I think that that really drove a lot of the the cost reductions and outsourcing boom. Um, there was a phase that that kind of of these captive centers, which really kind of grew very big in those days in, in India, right? Where a lot of the big banks, for example, had to totally restructure their cost base right and th and then you started seeing you know companies like you know Goldman Sachs you know now i think it's there could be their third biggest office in the world is in bangalore now right because uh, they saw that there was a lot of talent there uh, available and and at a very different uh, you know cost basis than in in some in a global financial center and that you didn't need everyone involved in your company being in that location so so, so it was, uh, you know and 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 that kind of led me to that whole you know that was like the early thinking about that future of work cross border thesis which a lot of large companies were were taking advantage of but it was very hard for um for smaller businesses to take advantage of that right and i think i think now in the current post covid environment it's you know it's with the you know a lot more companies and businesses being more comfortable with with remote work we're starting to see a next level of 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 revolution in that work which is well underway but it's, it still has a ways to go which is kind of i think very going to bring a lot of benefits to a lot of emerging markets and places that haven't traditionally had um, access to these types of you know job opportunities in the past so you're investing in india emerging markets and you know the us ecosystem very well what are the key differences especially if you compare with us and india and emerging markets uh, what kinds of opportunities right now do you see uh, for the startups in india and emerging markets well i mean there's there's obviously different um you know types of companies and opportunities in the sense that you know i see a, there's a lot more companies uh starting from india that on day one are targeting global you know global sales uh, uh, and and customers around the world right and so i think i think now indian founders know they can build a global quality product and they can they have the the financial uh, and and the software experience to kind of do that and compete on a global stage from day one. I think there was a lot of previously people say, okay, let's first build a product for the local market, let it succeed, then we'll go to other markets. Now, if someone has a product that's that's kind of targeting a global market, they can start that from day one as a global company in business. Um, uh, and so and so th that's a trend but obviously that the local market is also you know now we're it's one of the india is now one of the largest economies in the world in itself right and so you know selling to local corporates and local consumers is, is also extremely um you know attractive as well but you know it's it, this but it's still when you look at things like the globe like the purchasing power Per, you know, per per person is still still much lower. So that you still have a large percentage of the economy in India that doesn't have that large discretionary spend, and so it really depends on which product you're building, and, um, and you know, and then which market you're targeting. But I'm seeing now companies from India starting from day one targeting 
you know, different markets, right? And I'm sure even you might be seeing now people starting in India and then, tar you know, for example, targeting the middle, the MENA region and saying, hey, we, we there's, there's a gap in the, in this space in Turkey, for example, hey, we don't have a great, um, you know, uh, HR tech recruiting tool for SMB businesses, for example, and you could build that out of, out of India. Um, that's also the case in Turkey. A big market always has an advantage and a curse. Uh, most of the startups begin with the local market, then uh, plan to go global. I think India has a huge market opportunity, and th that may be the reason why, uh, why uh, the startups are focusing firstly uh, local market uh, as well. But as you mentioned, going global from the first day has a different mindset. And uh, what kinds of advice should you give uh, to scale and expand globally for the entrepreneurs? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's very key when you're building that early team to get folks, uh, to get people on board who have some of that global experience, um, you know, I, in the various parts of the business, right? So especially on, on go-to-market, right? It's very uh, it, it's very key to have someone that has that experience, let's say, selling in the market where you've where you first kind of want to launch in. That's if you want to launch in Europe or the US, if you can get a member of the founding team that has experience selling the product uh, in that market, that'll give you a huge leg up rather than figuring it all out from, from scratch, right? And then, and now we're seeing also, there's some great partners you can work with quite early on in your journey in each geography that kind of help a lot of the startups and early stage companies with you know, with their sales, and and so I th so I think building it into your company, whether it's on the founding team with the with with, with part, you know, obviously with the senior leadership team, and then with your investors also, if you can also get investors in those regions on board onto your cap table, who will help you with that specific skill set, that can also be a game changer, right? If you're able to get people who who are who kind of are in those roles, selling product in those markets. Um, that, that that can also help you as well because it's not always it's not always possible to find the co-founder or the person at those early days. You can't necessarily afford to maybe pay uh, a sales leader in that region uh, the market salary. So then you have to get someone who either believes in the business as a co-founder, give them equity, or get an investor who believes in the vision on the cap table as an investor um, who can help you kind of guide you in that. Vir, you have invested lots of uh, early stage startups. How do you evaluate the teams and founders when investing in especially uh, early stage startups? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure it's it, it's everyone has their own way of doing it, but I, I, you know, I really focus on on that founder market fit and saying, okay, why is this person the right person to solve this problem, and are they going to stick with it? For as long as required, right? Because I think uh, I like that um, thinking about, I forget who said it, but I think there's a great quote, could be Vinod or Naval or like, you know, that, that saying, uh, saying a company, uh, you know, companies don't don't fail uh, because of lack of exit. They la they they really fail when a f the founder gives up, right? So I think it's really focusing on that right founder market fit uh, and someone who's going to continue because there's always going to be tough times, right? And so you have to really, you know, you really want to make sure is this person starting this business because it's the the hot top trend, 
or is this something that they're really passionate about solving that they're going to stick through as soon as that trend, because trends always come and go, right? Whether it's generative AI, whether it's, uh, you know, fintech, whether it's Web3 crypto, and, uh, you know, there's, and that brings a lot of people in as founders who are necessarily, they think this they can raise capital for that space, so they go into that space, but they're not really, you know, living and breathing in that uh, all the time, and so and so I so I think I think that you really have to be, uh, you know, the right founder to solve that problem, and then the, and be really mission driven on that, right? And I I, I find that, um, you know, we, at Baba Job, having that we had that mission really to to kind of to create better livelihoods and better quality of life for these, you know, for, help people get better jobs, right? And so that, that's kind of we think is the major step of having someone to have a better quality of life is first get someone a better job with a higher salary with a better commute with a with a better employer and th and that's the first step so that was a very mission that drove us all in those early days and as we grew even right because once you once you grow and can pay uh you know market salaries and people get interested in the equity of, of your business i think it's then very important to how how can you get people continue joining the team? How do you keep that culture? How do you keep that mission? And so unless you have it from those founders from the beginning days, it's very tough to kind of build that culture and maintain it going on. Mm -hmm. How do you split your time currently between investment, helping startups, and also personal interest? What, uh, what does a typical day look like? Yeah, well, well, I mean, right now, obviously, uh, you know, working with uh, Jenny and Scott and Everywhere Ventures, we, we you know, we we got a steady inflow of, of deals that we have to evaluate. So there's a there's you know now we have a portfolio uh, of comp existing companies that we have to support through their uh, next steps of their business, in, you know, critical business decisions and future fundraisers, for example. And you know, as a pre-seed investor, that's where you spend a lot of time is helping companies um, on their you know how they make their their strategic um, decisions, and 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 even including things like the fundraise, certain hires, and so I think we, you know allocate a bunch of time for that for existing portfolio, and then for evaluating new deals uh, into companies. You know like the one we just discussed, for example, in, in digging in and deciding if do do they meet all those criteria. So I think it's a mix of that, um, in mix of stuff, and as I've transitioned out of you know before I was doing that alongside uh, being a you know, executive at, at Indeed recruit. Uh, and so, and uh, so I think scaling that part down and being able to focus more on the early stage investments over the last few months has been very kind of, um, you know, eye-opening. So are there any personal habits or routines uh, help you being more productive? Yeah, well, I think being cross-border investor, you do have to kind of be a little bit flexible in your time zone um, in the sense that you, it, like, maybe you know you you don't have as much time you have to be so you have to be a little bit more flexible and when you kind of can do your workouts for example like i always like to do the uh like i think you obviously have to get your exercise your fresh air and your sand to keep your 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 mind healthy but i think you may have to be uh, to be a little bit more flexible as a cross border investor in the timings of that given you're interfacing with with a lot of people in different time zones sometimes you have to do in the morning and then in the evening but but i think you know i'm a big believer in in sleep and getting your sleep as a, as a founder i always tell all my founders i always ask how are you sleeping right and so 
because I think it's it can the founder is going through various ups and downs of a very sleep cycle, and so um, it, it, I think I think making sure you get that rest is extremely important because I see a lot of a lot of founding teams struggle with that, uh, and 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 that leads to a lot of burnout and a lot of people not being able to achieve. What they what they set out to achieve, right? So because they're so, I think you're so hungry that you want really just pushing, 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 pushing. But it's a, it's a long journey, and people think, oh, I just I'll do this for this amount of time. But it never is just this amount of time, right? It's, it's all, okay, maybe there's there's a big customer you're trying to land, or you're trying to close a fundraise. But there's always something next, right? And so I think you always have to. I always encourage the, the founders to take the time out to make sure they they're doing it sustainably. Because it's it's very very tough to kind of maintain that uh, over over long periods of time, especially as you get older, right? Maybe when you're 20, you can do that, but once you reach a little older, and you know, and and I like to back a lot of second and third time entrepreneurs, and so you know, if you if you built two two businesses, then you're going to be a little bit older, right? And so you need to that that work life, just being able to kind of make sure you're staying healthy is even more important. <laughs> so. How do you balance balance the founder, investor, and family life? Last question. Yeah, I it, I mean I think a lot of, a lot of founders uh, now, as I said, a lot of them are. I think a lot of the uh, the best founders have been through the journey a few times, and so a lot of them do have similar work life. And so I think I think just blocking out that time and saying, okay, from this time to this time, I'm with 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 the family, uh, and then. And then going back, uh, I think I think it's much more healthy. Other otherwise, you're if you don't block off those times and do that, then you're all. It's always it's interfering with your work or with or with the other. And you're not getting a full uh, a full experience either with the founder or with the, with the family. So I think I think blocking out and sticking to it is it's, it's very easy. To, it's the same thing to say, oh, just today, I I I know I'll skip it or I'll be distracted. But I think it's. Um, in the long term that kind of helps i think i think really being disciplined about carving out those times is the best way to kind of you know maintain that <laughs> both uh, those were fantastic insights uh, thank you so much for joining us today yes so nice to see you barack and love you love your shirt and i i, I <laughs> definitely i definitely definitely have to get that uh get the same shirt next time so <laughs> thank you very much it's a, a present from the draper university uh, oh so, fantastic yes. <laughs> so thank you very much a Have great a institution nice... started by a great investor right so <laughs> That's a lot right. of great entrepreneurs from there so so look forward to being in touch and nice to speak with you and and uh, look forward to seeing you soon <laughs>